Oh, hi. My name is Justin. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Keith. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Justin. <laughs> oh, hi, Mark. Hi, Mark. Hi, babe. You keep developing those drop skills. <laughs> keep being impressed. <laughs> so how's it going? All right. Were you getting into episode eight or? Yeah, I, I had a an intro, like an old school intro. Remember we used to just talk about like the dead animal that I saw on the mm -hmm. side of the road going to work or the experience that I had in like a bagel shop. Um, but now I work from home. Yeah. You and don't, you don't get the, the spice of life anymore. Exactly, and stuff like that doesn't happen yeah. anymore. Um, but something happened the other day. Hamburger. Remember that when that giant buzzer just died on my driveway? Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, it was something like that, but anyway, I, I forgot where it was. I thought of it on the way over here, and um, damn if I can't remember. You blew it! But I do have something else I could talk about really quick. Okay. Okie dokie. Um, most people, I, I feel like it's the, um, we, we make too much of stuff, right? Like... Yeah, of course. Birthdays, the fact that it's a new year. Oh, um, I mean, you know, I have two, I'm of two minds about that. Okay, let's. Because my natural inclination, the uh, core Justin experience mm -hmm. is to agree with you. I don't like celebrating birthdays. I don't like celebrating stuff, mm -hmm. period. It's just not something I... Like, it's not that I, uh, it's not that I don't enjoy it. It's that I wouldn't even think about it, consider exactly. it mostly. At the same time, I feel like life is short. Life is hard. The world sucks. So, yeah, celebrate whatever. Who cares? Have fun. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's not like it's, you know, you're not hurting anybody. I think what I'd be more down for is less like personal celebrations and more collective mm -hmm. like labor day i would love to have a labor day every month of the year okay in terms of celebrating as in you just get the day off of work <laughs> how are celebrate. you how do you celebrate labor day exactly celebrate labor by Hold having up. the day off uh-huh where where like I want it to be more like European or I remember when sure I was like visiting in Germany and it's just like people are like, oh, it's after five o'clock on a Wednesday. Nothing's open. Mm -hmm. I was like, that sounds awesome. You know, or we get it's a weekend holiday. Mm -hmm. You know, you hear that a lot, too. That's what I want. Give me more of the like collective European or I don't know if it's just German mm -hmm. like bank you know like a bank holiday i don't even know what those are mm -hmm. like i want those sure but let's do it you know with me? new years and birthdays because it just 
it it creates too much stress and pressure on you. Um, I've been trying to get back into reading a lot more. And so I'm watching a bunch of like reader book to people. Mm -hmm. And it's just all these video early year videos that are being like, I just can't get motivated. It's just hard to get mm -hmm. back into reading. It's hard. I'm sure. not really reading a lot. I'm finding it difficult. It's like, yeah, you, you find it difficult because you've built up this new year needs to mean something, you know? Yeah. Instead, just like keep it going. Keep keep your keep reading. Don't have this idea of like a differential between this year and the next year. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I can agree with that. At the same time, I feel like it would be nice if the new year was like a collective, like holiday. Let's no, like <laughs> let's let's be better. You know what I mean? As a country, like this last year sucked. We all know it sucked. It's been hard the past couple of years. This year, we're gonna we're gonna do it. Isn't the whole idea though that every year we say is the worst year? Yeah, just, right. It just keeps getting worse. It just keeps getting and also worse. I think it's like scientifically proven that New Year's resolutions or whatever don't. Well, that not that, only they don't work, they probably have the opposite effect. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. New Year's resolutions. Sure. That cycle of thinking is just bad. It's not productive, mm -hmm. and it probably does more harm than good. Mm -hmm. So. Stop making a delineation about it. Or let's let's think about it differently. Let's not make it about resolutions or starting a, another like book. Like I had to do my new book challenge for the year. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I don't know. I don't like that idea. Mm -hmm. Now you're back at zero. Now you're starting over. Sure. Um, with that being said, I decided that I was not going to um, accept the slow start to the year idea. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm getting back to my roots. I'm reading a big fat book. Hamburger. And I decided I'm going to go for Lonesome Dove. I'll pause for the for the drop. What? So have you heard have you heard of Lonesome Dove? I I've heard of it as referenced as like, isn't it like an old cowboy show or movie? It was a miniseries. Miniseries. Like Robert Duvall. That's I how think. I know the name. Yeah. I'm sure my dad loved it. So I remember when I was younger reading, trying to read through all the like Barnes and Noble classics and all the classic books and all that. Mm -hmm. And just breezing through Frankenstein, Dracula, all that stuff, picture Dorian Gray. Mm -hmm. And then I remember the first book that like gave me pause and it was the red badge of courage. Mm -hmm. I'm being like red badge. Like I want the, yeah, this is boring shit. Yeah. <laughs> the red badge of blood, you uh -huh. know, like that's what I want. <laughs> right. I read and I was like, oh, that's okay. And then it was Jane Austen. I read all the interesting books or the books that I was interested in. Uh -huh. And now if I was going to continue this quest, uh -huh. I had to start getting into like romance books. Okay. I remember just, yeah. Who's Lonesome Dove written by? 
Um, McMurtry. Okay, so no one, no one. Well, did he did Lonesome Dove, and that's it? Or? No, no, no. He's done some other stuff. Okay, Larry McMurtry. I think it's Larry. Larry. Yeah, you're the one at the uh, computer. Larry, <laughs> Larry. not a great <laughs> start for a like. <laughs> I love that you're credit like. In the Justin world, that would totally be a your universe thing. If you're the god of your own universe, you would hand out fates based on people's names for sure. Lonesome Dove came out in 1985. Mm-hmm. Man, I thought it was way older than that for some reason. I thought it was way older too. I remember I get to the Jane Austen stuff. I was like, let me see what other genres I can dip into because I'm not feeling the Jane Austen stuff at that point in my life. Mm-hmm. And Westerns came up um, and Lonesome Dove was sitting there and I was like, Yippee! I'm not reading Lonesome Dove. You right. know? I'm mm-hmm. not reading. I equated it to the Prairie show. What's the big? The, yeah. Anna Little Green, Home on the Prairie. Little Home oh, on the Prairie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and all that. And I was like, I'm not reading. And the whole time I thought like it showed a guy and a horse on the cover when I was younger. And I thought that that was Lonesome Dove. Yeah. I thought it was about this guy. I'm just going to follow this like. Lonesome Dove. Lonesome Dove cowboy mm-hmm. wandering through the West. And I was like, screw that. So didn't read it. Ignored it. Anytime I heard people talk about Lonesome Dove, I was like, get out of here with that. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. that I'm back into BookTube a lot. Lonesome Dove isn't just recommended mm. by people. It's the book that every booktube person is happy to point facing the camera mm-hmm. on their bookshelf. There's all the ones that are, screw it, we'll just stick in there on the side. And then it's like, ooh, let's pop out Lonesome Dove. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants you to know that they've read it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to, Lonesome Dove is a, is a big book. I'm just going to jump into it. I'm just going to do it. Yeah. And like five pages in basically. <laughs> uh-huh. This isn't going where you think it's going. Uh, okay. <laughs> I find out that Lonesome Dove is the name of the town. Oh. It's not a person. Okay. And the story is the town's name is literally Lonesome Dove. The town's name is Lonesome Dove. Okay. Right on the border of Texas and Mexico. Maybe it's a real town? I don't think so. I think it's a fictional town. Uh-huh. Um, but driving over here, I totally blew past the turn I was supposed to make. Because mm. I was listening. You're enraptured. Completely. It's fantastic. Okay. Um, it's not a real place. Right. And it's totally... 100% a book that I know you would Ugh. you would like. Mm-hmm. Um and so anyway, it's it's fantastic. Okay. But he he ended up writing a book called um Terms of Endearment. Oh, it turned okay. into a classic movie. Yeah. And he wrote the novel The Last Picture Show. Mm-hmm. That uh, Peter Bogdanovich made into a Fantastic film. Mm-hmm. So he's he's great. Um, it is. It's not Cormac McCarthy 
esque, but it has Jesus. This thing's thirty six, uh, thirty seven hours long, basically. But it has more on its mind. Like it's not telling your 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 standard story. You, I got you to read Butcher's Crossing with me. Right? Okie dokie. Um, yes. It's where Butcher's Crossing is more like a thinking man's western. Mm-hmm. This is much more of a like story first, mm-hmm. but really good. Like really good. Okay. Fantastic. So Lonesome Dove, don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting about that is I don't, I've never heard anybody talk about Lonesome Dove. And for some re- somehow, some reason, I was vaguely familiar with it, with the name of it. I'm assuming because my parents did like the miniseries, whatever. That's the last time I've ever heard of it or thought about it is when I was 1985. So I was probably four, <laughs> four or five or something. <laughs> and it's not like I've never seen it on a list. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't see people referencing it. That's that's yeah. Uh, weird. It's well, it's weird too that the guy because I thought, oh yeah, he what wrote Lonesome Dove and then mm-hmm. he didn't write another thing, but he like wrote some really great yeah books seemingly and maybe it's because his name is Larry. Larry, maybe it is Larry. I also finished the Brass Halo. Uh huh. Which is that out of print book that you can't get a hold of. Right. And um yeah, ended up giving it five stars. Part of wow. it I I had to accept that part of it is because you can't get that book. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Getting a book that you know is not available right. enhances Yeah, of course. Of course. So yeah. I can't divorce that, but the story that it tells and the way that it tells it, it just made me, it gave me the feeling that I had as a kid when I used to have nightmares. Mm-hmm. And when I used to, I feel like every kid has this, where you wake up in the middle of the night and you know there's like a presence in your room. You're like, mm-hmm. I know I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. I know if I peek my eye open, I'm just going to see the shadow person standing <laughs> at the foot of my bed. So I'm just going to keep pretending I'm asleep, right? Did you have that feeling when you were Yeah, a kid? of course. Of course. And then you grow out of it, and reading this book gave me that feeling again. And it also, at the end of it, gave me the feel Like, I remember when you and I watched Hereditary in the theater, mm-hmm. and the first thing you said to me when it was over, you are like, why would anybody want to make that? <laughs> and I was like, I think because they actually wanted to try and summon a demon. Uh-huh. It really right. felt like somebody was like, I researched how to summon this thing. Let's see if we can do it. Yeah. And we'll just make a movie on the side. Right. And this book also ends up to be about like summoning demons. It gets kind of into it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then like says the names of the demons. Mm. But it's written in such a way where I was like, I don't want to read the Like, <laughs> I'm afraid that he's encoded right. in this book. All the this steps. is just going to be demon one. <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm going to read this name fully in my mind. Right. And then this thing's going to jump out of the book at me. Yeah. Like, that's the feeling. He's going to grab your ankle when you're asleep. Exactly. Yeah. And pull me under the bed. Right. Um, that's the feeling that that book gave me. And it has, like, the version I have on it has this, like, Egyptian eye 
symbol on mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. which doesn't really come into play. Like it's one of those eighties books mm-hmm. where like the icon on the front feels like clip art and then gives away <laughs> like what the plot of it is. Like in the eighties, if you wrote anything to do with a pyramid, they're just going to put a pyramid on the front of your um, cover. Right. From what I can remember, this is nothing to do with the Egyptian eye, hmm. which then made me feel like, Oh, you tried, you're trying to get me to summon this team. That's uh-huh. what this is. <laughs> you're putting symbols all in this book. Right. Um, so yeah, I thought it was fantastic. And I'm two pages into, uh, Dora Suarez, the fourth book in mm-hmm. the factory series mm-hmm. that made the publisher throw up. Mm-hmm. So excited. And you said, you know what it's about. Got your, and you why. got your bucket ready. Listen, two pages in, and an old woman yeah. just got thrown into a grandfather clock and killed uh-huh. by being thrown through a grandfather clock. It's okay. pretty pretty great. Yeah. All right. Okie dokie. Um, curse? No. Let's not talk about the curse. Okay. Let's talk about... Yeah, I got nothing. Let's talk about the first. <laughs> um, episodes eight and nine. The finale's tomorrow. And did you watch? Are you caught up on Fargo? Yes. So they had the drop two episodes ago that I hated. They texted you about. Right. Did you catch? Toxic. Yeah. Did you catch the little thing on the last one where what's her name? The rich lady. She's like. Time to call the orange man. All my money well, better. Maybe, maybe we're not caught up then. Okay. Well, there's another. We, the last thing I remember is at the end of the episode, somebody gets killed. Is that the last episode? I mean, I think now that we're wrapping up, people are dying. The lo- day Foley gets killed. Yeah. That was last episode. So that's not the most recent one. No. Then no, we haven't caught up yet. Okay. I'm done. Fargo, I like as a show, but when it gets political in this season, it's really blunt. It's a little too it's, much. It's kind of fumbling the, yeah. the, the, the it, um, yeah, there's nothing. Ab- I, I, f- it feels like there's nothing about that. I could like objectively point right. out as being like wrong or bad, but it just, doesn't feel great. It just feels a little too obvious and a little too wedged in there, you know. Um, but whatever. I mean, it doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't take anything away from the show for me. It just is like yeah. a little nitpick. I yeah, guess. Yeah, I'm enjoying the season. Just when they get political, it's like you said, it's too obvious. I agree with the points. Mm-hmm. Just maybe do it a little more artfully. Yeah. Uh, all right. So episodes eight and nine of the curse finale is tomorrow. Um, I'm going to try and watch it. Uh, so a lot of people on the subreddit are saying it, it, because the show is available on a Paramount plus, mm-hmm. but also on Showtime or something. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people on the subreddit are saying, if you have Paramount plus, it comes out Thursday night. <clears throat> so I'm going to try and watch it tomorrow because I'm excited. Uh-oh. I want to know how it ends. Truly still kind of have no idea. Where it's going. 
I'm trying to temper my expectations because of what people are saying about the finale. Yeah. And it's more than just Tom Sharpling now that I've heard about. People are kind of saying it's pretty great, but... Yeah, I'm trying to do the same. I have a couple things to talk about, obviously, in in regards to that. Before we started recording, I went on to um, Plex, and I was seeing if the episode was available. And it wasn't, but I clicked on it, and the description for episode 10 popped up and it was two words that threw me the end. It was months later. Mm. So maybe there's a time, time jump. jump. Uh, but Some people feel very strongly about time jumps. Yeah. Just in general. We can talk about that when we get to the end of episode nine. So episode eight was called Down and Dirty. Um, I watched both of these, I think, relatively soon after they were released. So memory is a little foggy. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, Asher and Whitney are confronted by Fernando with a gun, angry at Whitney for her failure in doing anything regarding the shoplifters. Asher fails in standing up for Whitney, prompting her to mock him for his personality and failure in proving himself. So Fernando comes over to the house with a bunch of his buddies, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, And they're upset that Whitney essentially encouraged the shoplifting, either encouraged it or didn't stop it, I guess. Yeah. But his point is kind of like, you're not making the town better. You're just letting this stuff run rampant. He's seeing the exploitation. Mm -hmm. And even though he's viewing it through that one shop and his experience, I think he's reacting to all of it. Mm -hmm. I think that he's saying like, I understand the jobs, quote unquote, that you're giving me are completely like temporary Mm -hmm. and just... I'm serving a purpose for you, right? Um, so I think that he's responding more to the general exploitation of them mm-hmm. on the community and on himself more than like, I'm upset that you're letting people steal jeans. I read it literally as you're letting people steal and that makes the community bad. Yeah, I mean, again, I think th- I think that's... I think that signals the deeper sure. frustration. This scene, I do want to call out, you know, th- there are moments of the curse that I <clears throat> don't forget easily, right? That stay with mm-hmm. me, like mm-hmm. Asher's Squeal. act out in <laughs> his uh, comedy class. class. Comedy yeah. class. Like, I'll never forget that. In this, it was when he closes the door and he turns to her and immediately says, I would I would have taken a bullet for you. <laughs> yeah. And she's just like you can see he's like <coughs> on that adrenaline high, like yeah. but then he's also trying to like ex like build on yeah. it. Yeah. Oh that man. whole sequence from Asher was great. Yeah. Uh, very funny. And then she has that moment where she does like the baby voice and really lays into him, which I felt was 
I don't know. It, it, I guess it's kind of like the Fargo thing where it, it makes sense and everything on everything on paper, it's perfect on paper, right? It makes sense in the context of the show and all this, but it just felt a little, uh, like a little overly, I don't know. It just felt strange to me. It went to the other end too far. Yeah. It just felt like we have not seen her be this openly antagonistic. I feel like. Yeah. I mean, it feels like, again, what do you view these people's core as? Right. Mm -hmm. And, from the beginning, I saw them as like really despicable, awful, terrible people trying to just like put this veneer of this like happy couple mm-hmm. and this like quote unquote woke couple, all that stuff, when really they're just truly rotten people. Mm-hmm. So, what happens when your mask starts to slip? Like, how much of that core shines through. I think this is a situation where she is just like pushed way too far, Mm -hmm. set off by his, I would have taken a bullet for you, baby. (laughs) And just her core comes through where it it shoots way beyond the, Oh, you're ridiculous. Um, yeah, I'm mad at you too. I despise you. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, seeking company, Whitney once again visits Kara, who is on a date with a man named Brett. Were they on a date? I thought the impression I got is they were just buds. Yeah, where she's just eating at the chicken place. Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't, I don't think there's enough in the show to put them as dating. Right. Brett uses the opportunity to make fun of Whitney, who is unaware of his jokes. Now, this I thought was interesting because I felt like Brett is kind of the first moment in the show, I guess going right back to what we were saying about Whitney being like open, openly antagonistic towards Asher. I felt like Brett was the first character in the show who we've seen be openly like mocking of Whitney and Asher. Like everyone else is kind of doing it subtly or sub submersive. Versus. Subversive, they're not submarines, right? <laughs> uh, subversively, and still trying to sort of keep a face about it. But Brett is straight up just making fun of her. I mean, she doesn't know it, but he's like, I guess he's the first, like, sort of character whose intentions I haven't had to question, mm-hmm. right? Like, Kara, I'm still trying to figure out. I obviously know she doesn't like Whitney and Asher but I'm still not 100% on like her role in the community and how she views everything. Yeah. I mean, she got $20,000 Yeah, out of them. I think that for some of those people, it's uh, these people are giving me money. Like I can use them in some small way. Mm-hmm. And he definitely is a guy who doesn't seem to want anything from them. And, just wants to make fun of. He's just goofing on them. Yeah. Yeah. Who they are. Uh, Whitney, who is unaware of his act, his jokes. Later, Whitney and Kara attend an art gallery hosted by a military contractor. Whitney decides to. I missed the military contractor thing in the show. You apparently. missed it. Yeah. <laughs> that 
the the whole dinner party soiree. Where no, I missed that he was a that they he was a military contractor. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it, it comes up briefly at the very beginning. And yeah, they, yeah. Which is also you know like military contractors. Not a doesn't seem like a good. Uh, doesn't seem like it'd fit well in the art world. Yeah, I, I think it, it again, it's the various levels of people looking to assuage their guilt or their conscience. You know, even watching this, I was thinking of the Sacklers, right? This family that's just made their whole fortune on Oxycontin and, mm-hmm. you know, prescription drugs and, um, and then they turn around, just like fund all the museums and art exhibits. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was funny that you know the Nanette lady, um, the comedian. Her special was called Nanette, mm-hmm. and it was basically about her wanting to leave stand-up comedy, and then she like goes on this stand-up rant that basically targets all the rich you know, white men who've dominated the space of art specifically mm-hmm. um, and how sick and tired she is of of that and that, it, you know, legacy and all that. Mm. Well, she did uh, an art project for the MoMA, some, some museum, and it was funded by the Sacklers. <laughs> <laughs> Which... I was just like, yeah, yeah, that's that's so perfect. Yeah. So I I definitely think about um about them, yeah, when there's like military contractors and then it kind of sets up what happens in the next um episode where where we see Kara, I think. I think that dinner party and mm-hmm. all the people that she's starting to interact with, I think are actually having an influence on her and pushing her away from the art world. Mm-hmm. Uh, Whitney decides to use the opportunity to film a segment embarrassing her and Kara. Desperate to prove her value to the guests, Whitney stages a fake conversation with Kara to highlight her achievements. Kara reluctantly goes forward with the idea. So a couple more things about the dinner, the, the art party, whatever this stupid thing was. Did the guy that Whitney flirts with a little bit. Goes into the elevator. The elevator that turns out to be a bathroom. What? Maybe I missed something with that guy. But what was his deal? He, to me, felt like uh, staged. Like, it felt like he was told to be there and then told to go flirt with Whitney. Potentially. I mean, that that could be part of the reveal that we yeah. see. Um, because, I mean, the the camera guy is there. Kind of for, for, for that. Um, but I took him more as like the type of guy you would see around a super rich person who would be their, like their personal guru or something. Mm -hmm. Like he definitely seemed like he was playing a role. Yeah, for sure. That's yeah. yeah, That's what I'm saying. Something about him felt a little, uh, yeah, I guess fake. Right. But I think that he'd either be like a hanger on, like part of the posse of, another rich person who was there that night. Like uh-huh. he's just a fellow grifter um, who sees the opportunity to take advantage of Whitney mm-hmm. or he's a plant by the 
secret show that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. So then they, yeah, they have that whole thing. They do the, the interview thing, which is we're very painful to watch. Um, Oh man, I should have, I should have written. I know I had some thoughts about this while I was watching it, but I think that that in that little sit down she has with Kara that she's filming, isn't that where she's trying to get her to like, I don't know. She almost directly asks Kara to like call her an artist or something, right? Yeah, yeah, no, she gives her a line to say, Can you yeah, just say, Yeah, that's right. That's right. She's like, Say how impressive my houses are. And then Kara just says exactly what right. she tells her. Right. In like as monotone a way as possible. Do you, would you consider architects to be artists? I mean, initially, my feeling would be I'd want to see their work right i mean technically i think that i would have a problem saying anyone's not an artist um sure i'd want to see like what have you done Mm -hmm. um but i would have a problem in modern terms if somebody's like oh i'm an architect i would immediately think shake shack (laughs) immediately like we're not making buildings that are interesting uh-huh. so I, I i wouldn't associate them initially with being an artist right but i absolutely think architects are can be artists for sure okay yeah i i kind of approached it from the opposite way of like if someone was like who's your favorite artists or whatever or name the most name some famous artists i would never in my can life think to name an architect <laughs> oh man i want to do that next like party i'm at I'm going to go in with like three architects in my back pocket, (laughs) just waiting for somebody to talk about art. Frank Lloyd Wright. uh, That's the only one I know. Hey, hey, who's everyone's favorite band? You know what? Can I tell you my favorite architects? Right. Um, I'm not into music. I'm into other kinds of art. Yeah. And what's so, what's, I was um, like right after that, we watched that episode within a day or two when I was walking the dogs, I was listening to The Devil in the White City. And he was talking about one of these buildings and some guys that were meeting about it. And they were four architects in a room and they were said something like, this is the greatest gathering of artists in the past, however many decades or whatever. It's like, and you laughed out loud. What the hell? <laughs> it's like, do these people really think of themselves as artists? Especially back then they were. And and you look to architecture to define like entire eras, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Like brutalism, you know? The first thing I think about is the architecture of it. Yeah. I think part of the problem too is like maybe an American thing or or maybe not American. Maybe it's just like a a modern, modern yeah, modern society thing because all of our buildings are fucking ugly. Well, and everybody now, when you see stuff passed around social media, it's full of people flipping interesting buildings and making them look as basic mm-hmm. and modern and boxy as possible. You know, like the modern sensibility is not about unique architecture. It's about how to make any building look like an iPhone. Yeah. 
after a humiliating recording where Dougie reveals personal secrets of Asher's in front of the show's film crew, Dougie decides to take Asher out for the night. What's your take, especially like when Dougie's in that mode? Mm -hmm. What do you think he's thinking in that moment? Is he like, I'm, yeah. What's your what, what's your take? Yeah, my t- my read on it is that he's just trying to get like reactions and like uh, footage, but I think there definitely has to be an element of like he's he's trying to embarrass him, trying to embarrass Asher at the Ash Man, right? Right in front of the crew or whatever. Um, but you think he's he's primarily thinking about it through the lens of the show still. He's not thinking about yes. it through a personal lens of I want to like rub this Asher's face in a dog turd. Not really. I mean, up until the moment where he has uh up until that moment where uh you know, Asher says ask your wife. I never f- I haven't I hadn't felt like I'd I'd gotten the feeling that everything that Dougie is doing is for the show. His modus operandi has been the show, has been philanthropy. Green Queen. Green Queen. Um, but something that somebody did point out, and this was something I had been thinking about since the show started, because Dougie, as a is a director who does a lot of like slimy kind of underhanded ethic ethically questionable things Mm -hmm. and Benny Safdie who's also a director is very good at playing that role so a lot of times you know I find myself thinking how much of this is he pulling from his own experience especially with that story coming out right before the show started or right after it started or something um and they sort of play in that area of like getting amateurs to do stuff, uh, just sort of like a maybe morally gray area. And based on their real experiences. Yeah, you know. exactly. And then um, I was reading some stuff this week that because this big piece came out on Benny Safty and Rolling Stone maybe, and he talked about how him and his brother aren't working together anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so someone on the subreddit pointed out, like, what if this is this is his Dougie is his like subtle jabs at Josh, his brother. It's weird when stuff like this comes like because you and I, we, we watch these shows, but we don't we're not like in in these circles right. like falling. But what I find interesting is when something like this gets as much coverage as it does. So. I know about the story too. You didn't send me anything. I found out it through my own mm-hmm. channels. You found out about it. And there's no clarifying like quote. Mm-hmm. It's like Benny, yeah, Benny Safty has to know how this plays, right? Yeah. That it it plays like they are breaking up, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Because if not, you would think that you just come up like, listen, no, we I love my brother. But the silence to me is the most right. interesting part where like as the internet runs with it and starts trying to put things together with this show that he's in and how 
it's hard not to see the parallels. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like slimy filmmaker, also <laughs> slimy filmmakers, right. yeah, potentially, right? Um, yeah, and based on that one report of the good time, it's like someone knew. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It wasn't. It wasn't like, uh, yeah. oh, this is a weird caterer. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, no, this is yeah, a good yeah. friend. Somebody and, knows. Yeah. Julia and I were just talking about this because she's watching something that has to do with a uh, um, Ponzi scheme guy. And of the question is always, does did the wife know? Did the kids know? You know what I mean? Everybody knows. You have to know. You have to know. I feel like I, I feel like there's probably there's maybe some like plausible like I mean especially with the Bernie Madoff stuff like maybe his wife didn't know maybe. Because she was just kind of like not involved in the business in any aspect at all. Mm -hmm. But like the idea that the, his kids didn't know they were working for him. Like everybody knows. Maybe your secretary and some people who just aren't like knowledgeable enough of how the whole thing works don't know. But the directors know what's happening on their movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> um. Yeah. So I just kind of had the thought of like. A lot of this, and I, I guess we I've tried to talk about this at least, like a lot of this can probably seem very, very preachy maybe or very... Um, On the like, show's part? Yeah, like condemning, like obviously Dougie's a bad character, Asher and Whitney are bad people, but like you're not able to represent this stuff so well if you don't have like firsthand experience with it. Mm -hmm. So there's probably some stuff in the show that that's being uh displayed as bad and maybe they know it's bad but it's also stuff that maybe they've done or they've seen other people do you know what i mean yeah it, it makes you like when you watch nathan fielder you're like here's somebody who i feel like i can look at intention a little more closely like he doesn't seem to be like a guy who'd be interested in being like hey you want to voice alvin chipmunk in mm -hmm. the in the chipmunks movie and him be like sure Seems like he's the type of guy who's like, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. What do I want to give as much time and effort? Yeah. And the Kurtz is one of the first shows where I feel like if he's going to do, if he's going to act in something <clears throat> and make it fictional, then he has to have a reason, mm -hmm. you know? And I was going to say this about the next episode, but, as the show's gone on, it just invites you to get more, more and more analytical of the show itself. And at some point, that has to be beyond their intention, right? Mm -hmm. like we talk about True Detective season one, where they just put spirals everywhere because... <laughs> It looked cool. <laughs> right. The production designer just got a little ahead of himself. A carried away. <laughs> yeah. And then every, uh, everyone freaks out and starts following everything. Close, right? right. And you, and you know, like that got out of hand really quickly. Mm -hmm. The, the curse is a show that I think starting off, I was like, I'm just going to, you know, I'm not going to overthink it. I just want to experience it. Mm -hmm. And as it's gone on, I found myself, like, especially in the next episode, I've, paused and rewound a few things mm -hmm. trying to like did i see a hand pop up right um 
you know, in the next episode, it starts with the guy in a car. Like, right. I, can I see something in the rearview mirror? And yeah. Stuff? And, and that, to me, I'm like, how close do you want your audience analyzing your mm-hmm. work? Mm-hmm. And at what point is it too much? And I feel like the curse, to me, is doing an interesting thing where I feel like it's baiting the viewer. Right. And it's actively, like, forcing you to engage with it in that and to analyze it. Mm-hmm. But then if you analyze it in any deeper mode of who's involved, it gets into dark stuff pretty quickly. Yeah. And so, I don't know, it's it's interesting. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk specifically on the subreddit about the show within a show theory. And I don't subscribe to the idea that they're filming a show within a show, I guess. But I guess my feeling more is that it's it, it there's too much for it to be just like a stylistic this is how we like to shoot things right there's too much episode 9 opens with a guy following Whitney in a car and that's the entire sequence right it's not just a we're going for a feeling but at the same time it feels like it's something that has to be addressed mm-hmm. i don't know if it's the show within the show but it feels like there is going to have to be some explanation for why there's a shot of a producer telling a kid to sit down because he's Mm -hmm. getting in the frame of (laughs) them like arguing outside. And yet we're inside of a building where an old lady's watching soap operas or whatever, you know what I mean? Uh, And and then the other thing going quickly back to the director thing, I, or what prompted me to think that is that moment where he says, and they're actors. They're doing great acting. They're great actors. They're the best actors. We love our actors, right? But Benny Safdie is does so good of a job of like delivering the um, I can't remember what he says, but outing Asher in front of the crew mm-hmm. as like a question. He does that without flinching, like in a way that is like. He, <laughs> he has get, done that before. He knows, He's done that to somebody before. He right. knows what it, it what it he knows what it is to like sit in that chair and expose somebody without blinking for whatever reason he's doing it. You know what I mean? Um They go out to dinner, they dine at a restaurant where Asher apologizes for not being a better friend to him while Dougie continues mocking him. Uh is this is before he says the ask your wife stuff, right? Because that's mm-hmm. they get yeah, in the argument after mm-hmm. this. Uh, so I guess Dougie is kind of fed up with him at this point. What do you make? Is Asher apologizing for not being a good friend? Um, or is he just trying to like fill an awkward space, trying to like bridge a gap or something? He knows something's a little off. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that he's at a low like there there're two ships passing in the night, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that he senses it's it's turned. Mm-hmm. And so this is him at, at his like most apologetic even though I don't think that he is like a sincere apologizer. Mm-hmm. I think he definitely is like lonely, isolated and reaching out for somebody, mm-hmm. even if that's Dougie. Yeah. 
Uh, as they drive back, they decide to visit Absher, Absher and Nala, where Dougie asks Nala to curse him as well. So as they drive back, no, it's after this. Uh, when Nala refuses, Dougie breaks down. <laughs> Does he cry? <laughs> he, can, can I ask really quick? What is the breathalyzer thing? It's a breathalyzer. No, but but why does Dougie do it? I don't know. Yeah, it's just a weird thing he does. It's almost like a thing that... I mean, it, it seems like it's like a thing where he's trying to check himself. Because he blows over the limit the first time with the girl. And he immediately pulls over and they walk home. It made me feel like it's a, it's a setup. Like it's a Dougie... It mm. makes me feel like, again, this is this is what I'm saying. I didn't want to like read into it. Mm -hmm. but it's like that. That's a fake bre bre breathalyzer. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? It's, I mean, I guess I could see it as being fake. It's a thing that he pushes on the back if he wanted to go green yeah. or red. Right. I, yeah, I can imagine it just being like an Amazon twenty dollar thing you buy, and yeah, it just gives you a random number. And why would it show him? drinking more in the restaurant before uh -huh. like forcing that only for him to be below the limit yeah like to me it doesn't make sense that he would drink heavily after and still be mm -hmm. below the limit and want to shove it in i mean he was also like he was below he was isn't the limit like 0.08 and he was 0 0.079 yeah <laughs> yeah so it feels like it's like a power thing yeah, or like a control yeah, maybe. thing that he can have over the person yeah, where he can get the upper hand in a small way of like, you, you doubted me, mm -hmm. but see, I'm right. Or, Oh, I'm making a bad decision, but now I'm going to make the right one. Like mm -hmm. it, it just has a weird power dynamic both times that he's done it that I couldn't get away from to be like, yeah. Is he just serving himself? Well, I could also see it as a like a a cover for his wife's death because he was drunk dry. You know what I mean? So it's it's in a way it's him being like, No, I wasn't actually I wasn't I wasn't over the limit, see, because I'm blowing now and I'm not. And I know how much I drink and I know I can handle it and blah blah blah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I never yeah. really took it as anything more than just something weird that Dougie does. Okay. With how everything else the show is made and they handle, I'm sure it has a very solid explanation. It it has a Benny Safty thing. Like right. we, <laughs> we slowly realize that every detail of this is actually their personal life detail in some way. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so Nala refuses to curse him. He breaks down. Nala cries out for her father, forcing Asher to get themselves out of the house. Later, when Absher asks Nala why she cried out for him, she withholds the truth and says that when Dougie started crying, she thought he needed help. <laughs> <laughs> um, on the drive home from Absher's, both Dougie and Asher accuse each other of being a bad person. When Asher goes home, Dougie curses him. Why do you think Dougie wants to be cursed so bad? Again, I feel like it it has to do... I took it as two things, right? Number one, I took it as a way of like tempting the fates, right? This is a guy who is maybe looking for control after mm -hmm. 
or looking for an answer for why his wife mm-hmm. died. Um, he obviously is not in a good place. Mm-hmm. And it's it's could be like where anything is better than what he's feeling. Like if he can prove that curses exist, then he can prove that there's some meaning to everything. Mm-hmm. Right? And right now, the best opportunity he has to prove that there's meaning in the world is to have a little girl curse him mm-hmm. so he can have turkey appear in his bathroom, right? <laughs> chicken. Chicken. There they go, chicken. Do you think by cursing Nathan Fielder oh, when he was inside of a mirrored house, Dougie's curse bounced off the mirror and he cursed himself? As far as I can tell, that's exactly how curses work. <laughs> Maybe that's what he was going for. And he, yeah. I, so I feel like it's a desperate move by a desperate person who's feeling isolated by the entire universe mm-hmm. and is looking for something, anything, you know? Yeah. Um, um, okay. So jumping back quickly, we get an explanation for Kara's uh, performance art piece mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's not the explanation from the subreddit dummies so i felt dumb for not getting a thing from it but then all the people who said they understood it were wrong okay an artist subjective and blah 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 blah. so who cares but i'm just saying her explanation was something like i'm giving pieces of myself away i don't even remember but i know that it was not what the subreddit said it was um yeah, I think that was kind of it. That's all I had for episode eight. Uh, episode nine, Young Hearts, right? Called that because they play that uh, Rod Stewart song. Mm-hmm. Um, Whitney and Dougie meet with Martha. Oh, well, the HGTV lady. Well, before, we need to talk about the very opening. Oh, right. Yes. So the opening is someone in the car following Whitney. Mm-hmm. And that is the entire sequence. She's they're, they're wearing gloves. They're wearing gloves. She's walking down the road. They follow her to where she walks. And that's it. Right? I thought it was interesting how close they are to the shop. Right. Like, you get to see the route. Yeah. And um, the whole time I'm looking for the car in the background, obviously, of all the shots of Asher and her right. in the strip mall, which I couldn't really see it. Mm-hmm. Right. So you don't know what type of car it is. Exactly. Someone on Reddit figured it out. Okay. The same one who figured out what her cares art piece was. Yeah. Someone's been watching Whitney from a PT Cruiser. For longer than we thought. Someone in another post discovered the exact make and model of the car that was following Whitney at the start of episode nine, a 2001 PT Cruiser, which tracks to me for whatever reason for a Nathan Fielder, Benny Safdie show. Of course, it's a, a PT, PT Cruiser. Cruiser. In episode four, Under the Big Tree, when Whitney is walking from her chiropractor appointment, she stumbles upon the Kundal, Kundalini group doing a prayer of some sort. 
What's interesting is that as she's approaching their temple, it's being filmed through a car, not just any car, a 2001 PT Cruiser. Wow. If we go through the photos and then they upload a bunch of photos, <laughs> then they upload some photos <laughs> of like very blurry interior shots of the car from the show. And then they show one interior shot of a 2001 PT Cruiser. <laughs> <laughs> See these blurs they yeah. match perfectly to this 4k resolution. Yeah. <laughs> um, so whoever was following Whitney at the beginning of episode nine has been following her for much longer than I think I could have anticipated. I'd be shocked if we don't see this car pop, pop up in the finale at some point. Yeah, the just hearing PT Cruiser and gloves now putting it together, my my guess right now would be like an Asher hired um, private detective. Yeah, but, but, that's not a bad guess. But a private detective who drives a PT Cruiser sure. you know, and wears <laughs> gloves yeah um okay so right she's being followed whitney and dougie meet with martha and hg an hgtv representative a or an is determined by whether or not the word starts with a vowel correct if it starts yep. with a vowel it's an if not it's a correct if it is an acronym like HGTV, it's an, right? Acronyms, I'm not as familiar with, but sure, that makes sense. Because doesn't a HGTV representative sound strange? An HGTV representative. It sounds strange. Right? Uh, Is this Wikipedia? Yeah. Change it. Some idiot. I don't have an account. Well, now's your chance. They had already committed... What if this gets you to be one of those Wikipedia people obsessive? <laughs> Just looking for a, a acronym in every page. They had already committed in working to portray Asher in a negative light, hoping it would lead to more buzz for the show. However, Martha states that she wants philanthropy to depict a happy marriage without any kind of controversy, which contradicts Dougie's original statement. So that's interesting. I guess I never really put those two together. The whole time, Dougie has been saying, we need to have this controversy because it's going to make the show better. It's what HGTV wants. And so he's been pushing this divisive talk. Yeah, that's Spike TV, Dougie. <laughs> right. And then the HGTV representative actually shows up and she's like, no, no, no. We want a happy family. We don't want these two to, to be upset with each other or whatever. Right. So that is... A Dougie construct. Yeah. Yes? It, yes. Or... Well, and it's interesting to see him flip mm -hmm. with Whitney after this, right? Where he's he's not even able to pivot. He's just trying to do like a full denial. Yeah. It's not graceful it's at not all. Graceful. It is just straight up back to, no, you need to. No. Yeah. I'm like, again, Dougie as a character is interesting because I keep asking what is he in control of and what is he just like an animal just reacting <laughs> right. to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where he's just like his nature is dictating his actions. Yeah. Uh, because this is a, a situation where I was like, Hey Dougie, take a breath. You can elegantly pivot away from here. Oh, mm. well I, uh, in some early notes, I must've missed, but he just, yeah. Pay, like 
denies and does the most least. Um, but the other thing too, great grace. I was going to say least graceful way out. But then later on, it shows him and Whitney laughing together, right? When Asher comes up like later in the episode, mm -hmm. which again, I'm like, why do people keep giving Dougie like extra chances? He just doesn't seem to be a person to garner. I, I couldn't even fake it with him. Right. <laughs> but, but Kara and Whitney mm -hmm. both are like, Oh, Dougie, you right. know, I, Kara's like, the most confusing one just because, you know, Whitney makes sense. Yeah, I guess Whitney makes sense. But even her, I feel like after that conversation with him, I, I would just think that she'd be a little more like, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm wary. Kinda yeah. I'm kind of tired of Dougie. Yeah. But nope, they're giggling later. Wanting to build a better image of herself as a and Asher, Whitney gets him to accompany her to a bowling alley to play and have fun with Asher unaware of her plan with Dougie. What do you think of the countdowns? The countdowns? She's like, come bowling with me. Oh, and yeah. Like, that was great. And he's like, do you love me? Right. Yes. That was great. Very... Uh, a great way to do that sort of Fantastic highlight that way. dynamic. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I find this so funny, but this really bugs me. It doesn't bug me, but it just is like, it's just so stupid. And it to me is so funny. The, like the, uh, the gulf of thought you can get on the curse subreddit, right? We just read a post of someone going frame by frame, figuring out they're using a 2001 PT cruiser. Here's a post. Is Nathan Fielder actually good at bowling? <laughs> he looked like he knew what he was doing. And when they go on the bowling episode and when they go on the bowling date in episode nine, that's the whole post. <laughs> it's like, I mean, I guess you understand that they could like film him bowling a hundred different shots and then just use the best ones. You know what my Reddit post would be about that? I can't remember what he said his score was at the end when the it was like one ninety something. When he said his score, I was like, "That's too low for yeah. how, how many strikes." We right. Saw. I was like, based on what we saw him bowling, he's in the two hundreds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two, Easy. two, two mid two hundreds. Yeah, at least. So yeah, when he said that, I said. Bullshit. Yeah. I'm done with this show. Yep. Uh, now, now here's the, now here's the thing, uh -huh. right? Um, did, did the actors have actual fun bowling? <laughs> Not, is he good? Because uh -huh. they really sold that going bowling was fun. You think? I thought it. I thought it were. It made me by the end. It made me think both Asher and Whitney forgot everything really? for at least a moment. See, I had that feeling during the horse scene. To me, it felt like by the end of it, Kara was actually having fun with Whitney, and Whitney was also having fun. But with this, I, I could agree with you on the Asher side of things, but I can't get there with Whitney. I feel like. And maybe it's just because of everything that's going wrong, but it still feels like she's just playing a part. 
Whitney also struggles with people. Oh, they well, oh, so right. they skip over at the end of the bowling thing. His coworker shows up, and Asher tries to take credit. Right. For, for again, <laughs> for to doing be, the right thing. Be the big man. <laughs> he is a whistle. I am a whistleblower. Bill is his name. Bill. Sure. Yeah, I think so. And then and then Whitney calls him out even before that, right? To to Dougie. Or is it after this where she's like, Asher did something so ridiculous trying to be a big man? <laughs> yeah. It's like Asher clearly sees No, I think that was the Fernando thing. Right? Yeah, like I'll yeah. take a bullet. Right. But here Asher sees an opportunity. you can see that Asher's trying this new persona. You know, mm-hmm, where he's mm-hmm. like, I'm the man that you want. Right. And it's horrific. Well, right. And what I thought was kind of interesting about it, too, is that he at first j- is just like, yeah, whatever. He's j- he's just going to lay low and let his bill. I'm just going to call him Bill. I don't know if it's his name or not. And he's going to let Bill um, blame the other guy for, for doing yeah. it. Right. And then you can tell he's like trying to gauge Whitney and he's doing it because Whitney's standing there. And so that's when he's like, I'm the whistleblower, but I never got like, I never got anything from Whitney that she was like nudging him in that direction. It seems like he just kind of came to it on his own. Well, yeah, to me, it felt the same reason why he turned her and said, I take a bullet for you. Mm -hmm. I almost took a bullet for you. You Mm -hmm. know, it's so funny because isn't he doing the right thing? Like he's trying to change himself. See again, you, he's you, trying to be better for his wife. Yeah. Right. See, you, you keep going to like early on, you were kind of defending Whitney a little bit and not defending Whitney, but I just got the feeling that she was a little more sympathetic, not sympathetic, a little more like, uh, maybe not cynical in her in her actions or in her beliefs. See, and I never, yeah, sure. I never gave them an inch of goodwill. But see, and I guess to that point, you, 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 you don't think Whitney thinks she's an artist. You think she knows she's a fake. I think that she's so delusional that the voice that tells her the truth, she's made so low. So she does think she's an it's artist. A, it's, a, it's a hum. It's a hum. Sure. But I think that, yeah, she. But she it, she knows better than to say it out loud, maybe? Well, exactly. It's it's like, how do you, that self-awareness is the mm-hmm. question. And again, we, we talked about this a little bit last week or two weeks ago. But my, my, like one of the questions of my life has always been like, what can you change? What mm-hmm. can you work against? And right. and one of the things that keeps me going back to that question is this idea of self-awareness. Mm-hmm. That we think being self-aware is like the change that you need to make. Mm-hmm. When I don't, I haven't seen that true in my <laughs> life. I haven't seen that true in a lot of people's lives. Like the ability to see a truth about yourself means almost nothing to the reality of who you are as a person. You know, it's the Charles Dickens, like 
he's an asshole, but he mm-hmm. writes stories about assholes. Right, but it means being, being it redeemed. means nothing. It means nothing unless you do something about it. Right, but but being aware of it is not doing anything. But that's what I'm saying. Asher is doing something. He's acting differently. But but again, I I think it's the same thing. Like the <clears throat> actions have to be further evaluated, just like self awareness does. You know, mm-hmm. if if I say like I know that I'm a asshole. Or if we talk about, like, this has come up a few times, like, all the celebrities who get outed for being assholes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, at what point did they know that about themselves and are just incapable of changing it? And you're a celebrity, like, you're going to get outed, mm-hmm. so you you literally can't not be an asshole. Maybe. You, you, you have to know, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, it's like, and, and that's the... The, the the cycle of an abuser right would is to say like oh you know me i'm not that type of person or i'm sorry um and that to me is the same thing with with asher you know what i mean yeah um where his awareness and his actions can still be false this dog uh, mabel she she's uh doing her own thing she wants she wants everybody yeah i think I guess what I would say is that I feel like Asher is somehow changing his behavior without the self-awareness. He doesn't know why he's doing it, but he's just doing it. Or he doesn't know why he should do it, I feel like that's, but he's doing it. I feel like that's just as bad as the self-awareness of no action. Or is, okay, so is he not actually changing his behavior? Right. He's just doing it because Whitney's there. Right. I think that he's mm. reacting. Mm. He's he's feeling a distance. He's reacting to that distance. Sure. Okay. That makes sense. Um, After... Whitney also struggles when people continue questioning her for her parents' past, which results in a crew member getting fired. She tries to to correct it by rehiring the crew member to no success. She decides to confront her parents over their actions, scolding them for prioritizing their business over the community. Um, I don't know if you picked up on this. I don't know if it means anything. The name of the crew member that gets fired is different than the name of the person who got evicted that their parents were talking about. They were not talking about the same person being evicted. Right. I thought the person who got fired was acting on behalf of someone else. Like oh, it was like their friend. Maybe. Um, That's why I took somebody else pointed out that I think along, I probably think probably along the lines with Brett, Whitney's parents are the like only other characters on the show who don't feel like they have like ulterior motives and who are just being themselves. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. For better or worse, that's who they are. Well, I mean, it starts with her dad talking to her husband about just having a micro penis. Sure. Yeah. Like, Hey, we're small cherry guys, you know? And Mm -hmm. he seems to genuinely just be like, yeah, that's, it's fine. Yeah. And someone else pointed out that, um, 
he spent his whole, you know, he spent that whole sequence where they're arguing about how terrible they are and kicking people out and blah, blah, blah. And he spent the whole sequence trying to like corral a bug into a cup and then set it free. The roach. Right. Mm -hmm. Instead of just, you know, squishing it. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you think that he, like, he respects anything that is like, He's like, hey, Roach, you're doing your thing like I'm doing my yeah. thing. Yeah, no, I think it just was a little. I think that, if anything, that's like a film thing. You know what I mean? It's just like a little, I don't know. I don't think it has any deeper meaning than it's just, here's this, you know, these vicious slumlords who evict people without care, but he's trying to take care of a bug. I don't know. I really like the um, the the little line where, He's like, yeah, our Lord told us that we should live here for a little bit. Right. We No, they have to live there like six days or something <laughs> for tax reasons or whatever. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, I also thought it was interesting that they dealt, they went into the eviction thing a little bit where it's, you know, very easy to... Be like, you shouldn't evict these people. Eviction is bad, blah, blah, blah. And I agree with that. But then he starts talking about, like, this person's completely trashed this apartment. Like, mm-hmm. it's they've ruined everything, destroyed everything. What are we supposed to do? And it's like, yeah, I don't know. Well, my, my takeaway is that you shouldn't be able to make a profit off of... Right, of course. ...unnecessary, li- like, healthcare and... Housing, yeah, I think should be regulated and not profitable, right? Uh, opportunities for anybody, and I think if you did that, sure, you would still see people who like just take a big dump in the middle of their own living room, mm-hmm. and, um, but it would be far less, right? Because people are not going to be looking to exploit systems. Because she brings up, Whitney brings up the point. She's like, "Well, you guys have insurance for that." You know, so mm-hmm. whether or not that person knows it, they're making a play on the system in the same way the slumlords are playing on the system, right? Yeah. Like, they're, they're both still playing the same game just from opposing sides. Yeah. Um, whoops. She decides to confront her parents over actions. Blah, blah. After overhearing Asher expressing his... Se- oh, this is where Bill comes in. After overhearing Asher express his sexual fantasy over other men having sex with her, Whitney decides Ooh, to I show had to him turn on the subtitles a rough cut of Green Queen. I turned them on too. Um, and yeah, that's where he starts talking about Bill. I don't know if Bill is his coworker's name or what. A lot of talk on the subreddit about this sequence, obviously. Apparently, this is like a, a cuckolding sub culture or subgenre or whatever called hot wifing because <laughs> uh, he's fantasizing about someone a bill quote unquote whoever that is having sex with his uh, uh, ugly bill having sex with his hot wife yeah and the entire time we're watching whitney react to it and she Isn't seems pretty um uh like not angry she looks like uh, I don't even know what the word is. Well, I, I took her as being just very like 
off put by it very yeah I, I, it reads more than that to me she just seemed like really i don't know i don't know really sad i don't know um yeah she seemed very bummed by it yeah now now you have me thinking about it again too and it is hard to find the find the word like it's not disgust it's like resignation yeah resignation that's good that's a good one yeah. And it made me sort of reevaluate a whole their whole sexual dynamic. Like it seems like she might not be into it at all, any aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Which uh, it seems obvious, I guess. But uh, the cut. Okay, so Whitney decides to show him a rough cut of Green Queen. Right. So Asher and Dougie and Whitney all sit down for their first view. Of the pilot. Mm-hmm. The cut depicts many of the issues that Whitney has tried to tackle but is prevented from showing, as well as her comments over how Asher is holding her back from achieving her dreams. Asher is shaken by the footage and leaves the room. He returns shortly afterward and demands Dougie use the footage in the show despite Martha's warning. That's right. <laughs> Asher concludes that the curse was actually himself blaming himself for all of their shortcomings. He apologizes for everything and says he still wants to be with her, promising to change as he believes they can turn it around. Whitney silently stares back at him, trembling and crying. Really quick, I'm not a director, and I try to resist the urge to say how something could be done better. But I know I have a note for this scene that would have made it better. Okay. And the fact that I remember that I thought this back when I first watched this episode too, and have remembered to this very moment. And I'm, and I feel even more strongly about it. You should have cut at least once to that little kid editor (laughs) who's in the room (laughs) the entire time too. Uh-huh. Just to have him react to what <laughs> to what is yeah. going on. One time. <laughs> yeah. One time. Yeah. Um, yeah, that whole sequence was pretty wild. And um the way Whitney reacts to it, I felt was um She was trembling and crying, as the Wikipedia says. But I, it's almost felt like in a like a submissive way. It almost felt like she was being told what to do. This, you know what I mean? Yeah. This is one of the moments that I did rewind and watch again. Yeah. And one that I honestly can say I don't have a clear read, and I feel like I want to watch the whole season before I probably go back and really think about it. But I, and I think that you can only bring a personal reading to it because you're trying to read someone's reaction and that's so hard to do. You have to fill in gaps, Mm -hmm. right? Because we don't know her internal life Mm -hmm. for me. It played a little bit, although I don't think this is fully Whitney, but it played a little bit like you want something 
and then it's presented to you mm. and it's terrifying. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and so instead of continuing in this terrifying open future that you may have wanted, you go back. Mm-hmm. You 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 believe in the old system again. Mm-hmm. Because the promise that you thought you wanted is too much. Right. Too much of a good thing, potentially. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I it felt a little like role play to me for some reason. Maybe that's a misread or, or whatever, but well, yeah, something it, felt a little off. Well, it could be. <clears throat> and I mean, she like immediately as when he comes back in and gets in her face, she like almost immediately breaks down. Right. Yeah. And again, it could be. It could be him secretly also saying, like, I will, you can do anything to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I will let you control me utterly. Mm-hmm. And, that, and, and I got that feeling a little bit where it's like, you're not going to find another person who literally is, a, you know, as much of a wimp as me <laughs> <Right>. for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe there's also an element of like she maybe her plan the whole time was just to be shitty and he'll just eventually choose to leave. Right? But she doesn't have to like do anything directly. Yeah, yeah. And she realized it only makes him stronger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm fueling the uh, cuck <laughs> yeah. the cuck fire in his soul. Um all right, so that's the end of episode nine. I have a couple things. Someone pointed out, so in this episode, we meet Phoebe, who is an assistant. Uh, and Whitney meets with Phoebe. The one who announces the firing of the guy, right? No. No. I think I Phoebe, Phoebe is the friend of the guy who got fired, maybe. Okay. I mean, oh yeah, 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 yeah! I remember. Right, mm-hmm. and she's like sitting down and playing with her hair and something. Well, and she's like, "You inspired me." That's right. She, she was the That's driver. Right. That's right. And she's like, "You are the reason why." So I'm gonna send you a little clip. Someone po- someone pointed this out on the subreddit, and I want you to take a look at that clip. Um, they say compare and comment. Was was that Phoebe? And it's a clip of the fire station scene mm-hmm. where Nathan Fielder is watching the surveillance footage to try and figure out who put the shredded chicken in the bathroom. And a woman who we assumed was Kara oh, came in to meet with shoot. Dougie and who Asher thought was Kara. But it looks from this clip... Like it's actually Phoebe, the production assistant or her, whoever she is. Yeah. I mean, that is 100% her, right? It's not Kara. That's Phoebe. Yeah. No idea what that means. I, I don't know if that convinces me more that Dougie put the chicken there or less because it still would make sense that him and Kara are playing a joke 
on Asher and put the chicken there. I don't know if it means that Dougie told everyone about the chicken curse. And then so maybe Phoebe just did it on her own. Um, but it's interesting. That's very interesting. Um, I'm trying to think what, like now my mind is racing on what could that mean? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it means anything. I don't, I, I, it seems, I can't, it see, it would seem strange for that moment to get addressed in the finale, but at the same time, it's like, that's a very clear misdirection because it's presented as Kara the whole time. And, I, and that's Asher exactly thought it was thought. Kara. Yeah. Right. hundred percent. And I don't think up until that point we'd even seen Phoebe. Right. Yeah. Uh, all right. The other thing I had, I, Maybe I'll ask you this off off air. Okay. Uh, unresolved secondary plot threads going into the finale. Okay, here's a list. Any thoughts? Uh, Fernando, he's upset about the increased crime in the area. Do you think Fernando's going to be in the finale? Yes. Yeah. Well, it doesn't look like he's going to die like I thought he was. Mm-hmm. But maybe. Uh, Whitney's credit card being used to cover shoplifting. I feel like that's... He'll at least That's be referenced. Been, yeah, and for the most part, I don't know if there's anything else you can do with that. It's it's pretty. She, she says the total. She's like, I'll right. deal with it. It's fourteen thousand dollars or whatever. Absher and family water damage the house, becoming needy as a tenant. I'm assuming the chiropractor was a misdirect. Um, obviously, Asher and his family, uh, Absher and his family, is going to be in the finale. Has to. Half have to. Kara hired as an advisor. Unclear if she signed a release. Tense relationship with Whitney. We also didn't talk about Kara working in the massage. Oh, that's right. That's right. Again, I think is like a reaction to Whitney is accelerating the kind of falseness of the art world and herself. Mm -hmm. Right. And put her on the fast track where she should have been able to experience a few years of success before she had to slam into the wall of, yeah, these rich people are just using me. Instead, it feels like she hasn't even allowed to like taste real success. Yeah. When Whitney swoops in, is like, I'm using your art. We're, right. we're co-opting everything. I'm bringing this attention to you. And, and she's just like realizing this is fake. This is fake. Yeah, you know? I don't. I don't think uh, until that point, Whitney had probably ever even considered that she, Kara, had an actual job. Oh, right? 100%. she probably just thought she's an artist, right? She doesn't. Why would she have a? Would she be working at a massage parlor? Right. Uh, unexplained shots from strange angles that include unrelated people. We talked about that. Like I said, I'm not in on the show within a show thing. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. The only thing that I'm convinced is that it has to be addressed in some way. What if this is just a, this made me think about it because you're reading devil in the white city Mm -hmm. and you commented that basically is like serial killer and affair, like is the actual. It's mostly about the fair than it is the serial killer. I felt like I finished it. Oh, you finished it. Yeah. Okay. So, so maybe reverse, but yeah, if it's like, 
We're just following a serial. This is just a serial killer in a PT cruiser. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's all just an elaborate murder <laughs> serial killer. It's the uh, love. It's the guy from love to the third degree, right? Well, this guy does have gloves and right. burn victims. Yeah. Uh, the fire station power issues. You brought that up when that happened that episode. I don't think that's being... I think that's setting up something that mm. might happen in the finale. Like a lot of fire in the show, right? Yeah, and and again, they they won't be co- like I, I'll stand by my call, where I was like they won't be able to respond to a fire mm-hmm. because of a power outage. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy that threw out his induction range doesn't get along with his neighbors. That guy is also at risk of has an increased fire risk. Right, because he's bringing a gas stove into this completely sealed off passive home. Mm-hmm. Uh, Casino knows definitively that Asher was the whistleblower. I feel like that probably has to come up. In a way, I mean, he, he took ownership, and Bill kind of seems like, yeah, you're a jerk, but I don't know what what else are they going to do. You don't think the casino would like? Go it, after him in some way. It's a Scorsese show, okay? Uh-huh. I don't think I don't think he's gonna get whacked. All right. Uh, the land of the houses are built on could potentially be claimed by the native people. That was kind of also that's well, kind of been the introduction, like they're having road disputes. You and, kind of maybe spoiled it with the description months later. Yeah. Maybe the land um writes are being enacted. Uh, oh, yeah. Whitney's relationship with her parents. Uh, adding these two that I liked from the comments. Whitney's doctor's reaction to her ultrasound. Totally forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting. See, that to me could read as something of like, this is just a stylistic. We're trying. We're just giving you like an, an edge of like doom. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right, we're just in increasing the atmosphere. Right. Uh, the cult. Who's the cult? Who's the cult? I don't know. Is it the the pe- people that she saw praying or whatever? Oh, maybe. Is that who they're, they're referring to as the cult? Uh, I'm looking in the comments. I don't see. The cult's a pop. Aside from the creepy guy at the party it's pretty implied that wit's parents were in at one point and perhaps wit was as a child yeah wit's dad says yogi bod bahan tried to <laughs> yeah. sleep with wit's mom yeah i remember that i took that as a funny line i didn't take right. that as like a- isn't the cult just american seeks someone else posted this in uh whitney still has 20k in cash from her dad Oh, because she borrowed 40? Yeah. Did she not give the other 20? Oh, the 20K was for Kara. No. Yeah. Right? Yeah, she, she gave 20 That's to right. Kara. But then they, they, because they also gave money to Asher to buy the house. Exactly. Or so, whatever, the yeah. development, the, the whatever it was. Um, okay. That's it. That's all I got. Okay. Oh, so months later. What is what do you think that means? Is the sh- so the show the show is picking up? Do you think the show's the show? Let's say months later is accurate. The show is picking up. 
after the the curse is picking up after Green Queen has been on for a couple months. You know what? Sorry, go on. That's it. You know what I'd absolutely love? Mm-hmm. If months later we open and it's pretty much an exact shot-for-shot replica of the first 10 minutes of Bo's Afraid. <laughs> They're inside. It's quiet. Uh-huh. As soon as Asher opens up the door, it's absolute right. chaos <laughs> yeah. there. And he's trying to run to the, <laughs> to the next place he has to be. Yeah. Um, yeah, I. you know, they, they've set it up where almost like, again, it's one of those things I'm so... I think the question that I'm most interested in having answered is how esoteric and how literal are Uh they going, are they going to be? Yeah. And I think as it's gone on and based on like what we talked about before, I'm expecting them to go more towards a literal finale where these things are going to culminate in actual understandable events Mm. and not in like a twin peaks was it all like dream logic starts taking over and like yeah it's crazy right yeah um so i i'm expecting things to like come to a head Mm. you know um and how all the pieces fit is something i still don't know but if I think about literal events based on everything you've set up, it's completely wild. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Or, or the other thing that I was thinking that, that could happen with the months ahead is it's like no country for old men, right? You're following this guy's story and then you get to the end and he's, you come in on the scene of him already being shot and mm-hmm. killed. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, the crescendo of the whole entire movie happens off screen. Right. And so months ahead, all these points are maybe a lot of them are resolved. but We only hear about them, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, you know, by the time this comes out and anybody actually listens to it, they'll probably already have answers to all of these questions. <laughs> Oh, they, they have. I mean, <laughs> when is this coming out? Oh, I'll yeah. go release it when we when you leave, when we're done. Okay. Oh, so yeah, no. Yeah. Well. Um so next week, obviously we don't want to skip a week from the finale, right? You know what? I'm gonna go on a limb and say no one has done this. You know what we should have done? You know what we could still do one day? Take a show like The Curse. Uh huh. It has the run. Like we know how long the, right. the, the finale. Is, I had right? the same thought before you came over. What? There's no way our thoughts are similar. But say, oh. say I was gonna say podcasting the finale, like doing like a commentary almost. Oh my god! Right. So number one, we we absolutely should on on one of these shows. Uh-huh. My thought was do a preemptive commentary Uh and then you can watch the show and listen to us 
react to what we think is, is going to happen. <laughs> and that how, sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> how it lines up. So it starts off, I'm like, uh-huh. oh my God. Right. <laughs> and nothing, oh my God, has happened. It's like mystery science theater, except you don't actually watch you don't the actually... show. Whitney, don't go in there. <laughs> Whitney, stop it. Yeah. All right. Um, so next week, we'll make an exception to our two-week format. Next week, we'll do the curse finale, right? Uh-huh. And episode one of... True Detective. True Detective. Back to our roots. Okie dokie. Yep. Okay. Here's the thing. I don't have much. NFL is wrapping up. No, I didn't say that at all. Mm-hmm. I can't do basketball. It's too time consuming. It's too obsessive. Mm-hmm. I need something to really get into. I think I'm going to try and do like, I'm going to try and be the guy who does all the back stuff for True Detective. Okay. So the showrunner, she made a film called Tigers Are Not Afraid. Uh-huh. I wonder, I'm going to watch that. Okay. And maybe if we can't fit into next episode, we can try and talk about all the aspects of this season of True Detective. Uh-huh. Is a... Uh- is is uh, Pizzolatto have any involvement with I don't this think season? So. I don't think so at all. Other than just probably being like a, a executive producer or whatever. May yeah, I don't even know. I mean, I guess he has to be. Bye bye. They said. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye, Nick. Bye bye, Nicky boy. And again, talk about a guy that you're just like. You know, he did the Magnificent Seven remake. He wrote that. Did he really? Yeah. <laughs> Like, ugh. Yeah. Rough, rough one. Do you think this season has any chance of being better than the first? That's what some reviews are saying. I think it's going to be, it definitely has the chance. Mm -hmm. I think the first one, if it suffers from anything, it suffers from a lack of understanding of how people are going to receive it, Mm -hmm. you know, and what people will want. I think they kind of thought they were making like, more of a niche show that they mm-hmm. could just kind of, you know, make look really cool and sound cool and that's it. Yeah. And then people start and they realize like, we've seen it all. People who watch, who've, who've grown up since the eighties, like we're ready for a deeper story. Yeah. You know? Um, so I'm hoping, and I think that, a lot of filmmakers are realizing that and pushing their narratives a lot farther. Mm-hmm. So I think True Detective season one didn't push its narrative as far as that narrative wanted to go. Do you think season one still holds up? When's the last, I, I watched it not too long ago. I'm going to say sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think it holds up. But again, I think I had that feeling at the beginning and I think I probably stand by it. You get to the end and you're like, you could have really pushed. Oh yeah. These you could have done so much more, so much more. Like yeah. you could have really gone somewhere. Uh, and it just felt like they, it, it, you know, it, it's almost a little like uh, Q, Q, QE, Q cult, Q, the alt right guys. Cause it's like, it ends up being like high powered pedophiles. 
<laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Q and not, yeah, Q So adjacent. it's like, it's a little, it's like Q before Q. Yeah. Like if you do that now, it'd be like, it'd be a whole oh, political thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I rewatched it not too long ago and it's, I tell you what, that the whole, and I think I had a, a little bit of this feeling when we watched it, the, the, the uncut sequence is a little goofy. It is a little like the problem with any scene like that. And again, it's such a great idea, but for such a long sequence, you can't help but see people right counting their beats. Mm-hmm. Need but, to be here. Right. But like, not only that, but also being like maybe like not doing their best take, but knowing I've got to keep going with this. Oh yeah. 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 Um, and a lot of that is tough on like the main actor. Like I feel like there's a scene, especially where he like hits a wall and turns to face the camera. He's like, and you're like, yeah, he's done this four times. And he's just like, he's not out. Yeah. For me, it falls in that category of like, is this bad? Was this actually bad? Or did it just become like a meme? You know what I mean? Yeah. But I love the first season. I still liked it when I watched it again. Uh, and someone else I saw pointed out because I'm back following the true detective subreddit, which well, I won't say anything bad about, but someone did point out in the first season, cause this new season takes place in Alaska in the first season, uh, rust Cole, Matthew McConaughey's character mentions that he's spent some time in Alaska. Mm. Mm, so maybe, but, but night country is current day. I don't know. I'm, I'm, again, I'm trying to measure my expectations. Yeah. I'm pretty excited. I, I, I mean, it's the woke true detective, right? It's all women. (laughs) Yeah. They're going to ghostbusters this thing. Yeah. Come on. Are people upset about that? Wrong. I have no idea. I mean, I'm sure somebody is. Those people are always upset about something. Yeah. Um, oh man. Show that it's a complete disgrace to the entire Scooby-Doo universe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I mean, if that guy can get worked up over Scooby-Doo, Scooby-Doo. come on. <laughs> All right. So go home. We love you. You're very special. I love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.